This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson. I'm also here with my buddy, Jared Davis. We fought, and we fought hard against the Georgia Bulldogs. My, my voice is still a little raspy because I was yelling at the TV screen. My family, a handful of them, ended up going to the game. They said the same thing. You could tell the environment was just amazing there. And that's really exciting. You could tell the fans were into it. The players were feeding off of that energy. And it should get you excited for what is to come, uh, you know, even this season, but then future. You know, what does is, what is Auburn look like with a new batch of players, uh, better talent as we'll get more talent and future recruiting classes if he freeze stays the course, which looks like he will. Uh, but lots of good things to look forward to. Jared, did did this really shock you? Because I, I feel like for a lot of fans, we we had kind of just already put the nail in the coffin and said that game's over. We're we're gonna lose. But here we are. We ended up only losing twenty to twenty seven to Georgia, and we were literally in that game for. Of about 55, 57 minutes of that game, somewhere around there. That's crazy to me. That's a lot longer than I, I think any any fan or definitely national media thought we would. Yeah, it was, you know, I think, uh, I don't know what I finally predicted. I think I'd said something around 21 to 10. Um, so <laughs> I had it, you know, less than what Vegas had it at 14 and a half. I thought it was going to be on the scoreboard. You were going to be like, Okay, you know, that was not terrible. I think they've beaten us by 20 the last few games. Yep. I never, I didn't truly think we would actually feel like we were in it most of the game. I just thought this ending score would be pretty good. I mean, they didn't take the lead until 57 minutes into the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they had been tied, right? But they had not had the lead until then. And that surprised me. Yeah, so, um, and when you look at our passing stats... You know, there's always what ifs, right? And I mean, Georgia could say, what if we don't turn the ball over? We could say, what if we got that other third pick? But I mean, what if we could have just mustered up like 150 passing yards? I mean, if we pass for 150, if everything else stays the same, we win that ball game because you move the chains, you get more points. We got to find a way to get that passing game working. But it it was pretty, I, I feel as good as I can feel about a Georgia loss. I mean, my brain tells me that I feel like we're headed in the right direction. My heart still hurts though. Cause it was there for the taking. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. My head's saying it's all good. My heart, just because anytime you have the chance and you, you know, you have a chance to beat the number one team or any good football team for that matter. And you're less talented. And that gives you some hope. The hope, then gets squashed a little bit when Georgia finally scores that last touchdown and then Auburn throws an interception at the end and that's all she wrote. But to get to that spot already is really impressive to me. Uh, Not only did Hugh Freeze and his coaching staff come up with a great game plan, but the players seemed to execute and they played really, really well compared to what we've done in the past. Uh, I mean, just look at the turnovers themselves. Uh, yeah, we did have a, a, a one turnover. It was at the very end. I kind of threw that out. I mean, 
let's be honest, I think there were lots of passes that Peyton Thorne, if you go back and watch, hit his guy in the hands, should have been caught. And I'm going to put a little bit of blame on the wide receivers and not necessarily him for some of the passing woes. And then you kind of look at the other parts that we had been struggling with in games past penalties and penalties were only one for us. That was it. That was it guys. That just shows that we were, that we got, we figured out some discipline issues and that made me feel a little bit better about this game. One other kind of just big picture thing. And I thought this was even bigger than some of this uh, talk of like hanging in there with Georgia, which I think is obviously very important was the future state of recruiting because Auburn had, I mean, I'd heard anywhere from like 70 to 200 different kind of recruits, basketball, football, other sports. And that's crazy to me that we were able to get that many people to come to an Auburn Georgia game. And they got one heck of a showing. Uh, There were lots of good comments from players, even a five-star wide receiver who's currently committed to Alabama said he loved the environment uh, he loved that Cam Newton was there and even noted that really the only difference is Auburn just needs some playmakers, which I would love if we could get a five-star flip them from Alabama. I mean, if I'm Hugh Freeze and you hear that intel that he just needs to make be a play, playmaker, I mean, Ryan Williams, that wide receiver, five-star from Saraland, Alabama, he's got a, and I'm sure others, they're thinking that could be me. That could be me making that difference because Auburn was, again, so close to having another victory and against a much better team. So I think recruiting is going to take a big jump because of what they saw in this game. One other thing that I want to talk about, which is just the environment itself, and you can tell the fans got into it. My uh, mom, dad, and sister ended up going to the game, uh, or sisters, both of them, and they all talked about it was standing. Everybody was standing. It felt like there, this game was, everything was there. It felt kind of like uh, what people talked about with the Texas A&M last year, where Cadillac had his SEC head coaching of Auburn, and that's special. And just think about that. That's our very first game against Georgia, and it's already feeling that special, just because I think Auburn and Jordan here is really special. Uh, but it kind of showed that even when most people counted us out, the fans still showed up and supported this team, which I think is even more important, uh, showing support to the players and then also the you know upcoming recruits that even when all things are not necessarily going your way, Auburn fans, they're, they're going to be with you. And uh, I love that. You, you mentioned Cam real quick. I was talking to my buddies, and we've had this debate before, but does any college compare to us of like our Mount Rushmore of yeah. you got Bo you got Bo Jackson, Cam Newton, Charles Barkley, Frank Thomas, Suni Lee, like the our best of best I would put up against any other college's best of best. I mean that's right. That's a ridiculous star power. Yeah. And all of them, but Bo were there, I think, and Bo's mm-hmm. been to a ton of games. I don't, I don't think there's a problem. I, Bo just, you know, probably had something else going on. But there's a photo with Charles, Suni Lee, Cam, and Frank, and there was actually an article written, uh, well, Alabama.com about 
you know, Cam and his involvement, and he was, like, rooting the whole game and was getting the fans into it. And, you know, there was always speculation that Cam, he was one and done. He wasn't even here, you know, an entire 12 months. And would he, yeah. would he come? But he came back and got his degree, I believe, from Auburn yep. later on. Yep, he, and, he technically graduated the same time I did. The same yeah, month, so, same day, so he, everything. So he's a graduate of Cam. I mean, he's a graduate of Auburn. And, I mean, he was there, man. Like, he's he's – He's all in. He he's into Auburn, and yeah, to see you mentioned one of the recruits saying something about Cam. I mean, that's a lot of star power. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I really can't. I've tried to think of schools that have that. I mean, you know, Georgia's great and everything, right? But I mean, they got Herschel. He won their Heisman. Um, Alabama. I mean, they got some Heisman winners and stuff. But I just don't feel like there's anybody that meets that level, especially in the SEC, of of that dominant of um, players that people know. Yeah, but uh, that definitely helped with recruiting for sure. Having yeah. those guys there and, well, and SUNY. Well, just just having those type of players represented, and then on top of that, the way that those uh, players, specifically, you know, you called out Cam Newton, went and helped recruit for Auburn. He was in the student section. He was talking to recruits. He's he's hyping up Auburn. I mean, that's invaluable to how. Auburn stands apart from others. It's essentially saying, hey, 13 years later, Cam Newton, one of the best quarterbacks in college football history ever, and has a national championship, pretty much put that team on his shoulders to win. He came to Auburn, and he still loves it. Um, Another kind of cool story, and your dad, Jared, uh, Cam Newton had his kids there. And I felt like that might have been the first time. If it wasn't the first time, then man those kids got a great experience uh being all around this amazing game and you know that that's a pretty cool thing for auburn to kind of ride its back on as cam newton coming back with his family now that you know we're 13 years away from his national championship season aj if you i think if anything and and then we'll move on from recruiting but i think seeing those players especially cam is you know a little more recent like you can accomplish anything you want to accomplish at Auburn. You can win a championship. You can win a Heisman. You can go number one in the draft. Yeah. You know, I, I, we've been down, and Auburn in general fans have always been like, well, I hope we win, even when we had Cam Newton. So it's just kind of our mentality, and we've kind of been beat down the past few years. But given the right recruits coming in and the right coaching, like you can you can achieve anything you want to achieve in college football at Auburn. Yeah, and I think I think the recruits hearing that, you know, I know that money plays an entirely different role nowadays, right? But they also want to go somewhere where they're like, okay, am I going to be seen? Am I going to be known about? Can I win Heisman's? Yes, yeah. absolutely. You can do that at Auburn. Yeah, absolutely. So all of those kind of things, I think, feed into not only the recruiting piece of this, which will pay dividends in future recruiting classes, but it's just a good picture of these stars coming back showing their support which you know we've obviously seen a lot of support from all of them coming back um a couple of other fun ones that that ended up being there was nick fairley which of course you know aaron murray's <laughs> mom it. is still that's crying a, that's and a, about that that's a troll job by auburn and i love it i think <laughs> he should be like the mike guy on this game whenever uh, that comes in yeah he was two years ago i'm pretty sure because i remember and i was like Golly, it's so good. I love that. That's I think we, awesome. I think we've also had Ricardo Lewis. 
uh, do that as well with the Prandtron and hair. That's good. And, yeah, I think Anders Carlson was there as well. At least I saw a picture of him. So that's that's again some big star power that uh, was at at this game. Um, a couple other things that I wanted to point out uh, that I thought was kind of interesting. So uh, I feel like this was kind of a quiet thing, but it sounded like Hugh Freeze got a lot more involved with play calling this game. Now, I don't think he, at least he hasn't officially said anything. I don't know. Maybe Jared, if you've heard otherwise, you know, correct me. I don't think he's taking over hundred percent play calling, but he was at least quote unquote confirming or agreeing with the calls every single time before they kind of went out. So Ron Roberts or not Ron Roberts. Um, wow. I'm just blanking on his name. What is his name? Phillips. Um, Phil Montgomery. Yeah. Philip Montgomery. Uh, he, he would call the plays. Then he freeze would confirm it. And then the official play would go out to the players. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I think we saw a little bit of success from that, at least with what we were doing. Yeah. I, uh, heard some, might- talking who is i don't remember who they were but they said they knew a lot about football so they must have but they basically were like you you can't scrap the whole playbook at this far in the season right like you can't come in and start running his plays. so um but he can get more involved and i think he has gotten more involved i do find it a little interesting that he brings that up um i would probably rather him i don't know i feel like he He's very direct. Like he tells you what he thinks about his players and he tells you what he thinks yeah. about play calling. I would probably like to see that be a little more reserved. Um, you know, like the time he talked about, he called the touchdown pass against Cal. I don't know. It's just me, but I'd rather it might be like, you know, Hey, we're all a part of the game plan. Right. But, uh, he did say every call he confirmed. And what I think that probably means is that he has gone over Montgomery's playbook and they have probably like bracketed plays that they think will work. Yeah, And then, you know, Montgomery knows what Hugh wants to see. And so those are going through the headset and Hugh has the ability to veto, but he, he probably didn't, you know? Um, so I feel like Hugh was probably just more involved in the game planning and like, Hey, scrap these plays, keep these in. And then, yeah, you know, he's, he's obviously got the veto power at the end of the day. Right. And I think that showed some positive, you know, ways of going about this this offense because we've had some issues with Cal and then Texas A&M this season getting our offense going and it seemed like we had better traction with this offense especially when turnovers happened so uh, that's another big topic of we caused a couple really big turnovers one was an interception which led to points there was another fumble led to points and I, you gotta love that I mean, one of the most encouraging things was right out of half, Auburn gets the ball back off of a turnover. And we immediately knew we're throwing Robbie Ashford out there and we're going to run red zone Robbie out there and do his thing. And red zone Robbie got himself a touchdown. And I don't think Georgia was ready for that. Georgia thought, hey, we get the ball coming out of half. We're going to run the ball down, get a touchdown and settle ourselves in. Nope. Auburn says, here you go. I love that. Um, and, and I feel like that was a big positive in kind of the quarterback room and also coaching, just knowing when to put in Robbie. Because I still am a firm believer that Peyton Thorne is our number one quarterback right now. He can run the offense better than I think anybody in the quarterback room right now. But Robbie is too good. And everybody sees it. 
to not have him on the field at some points. He's good enough to do it. He's got a touchdown against Georgia, which if you look back, not many uh, offenses in the last five or six years can say that they've gotten a touchdown against Georgia. And we did it. We did it multiple times. And uh, that, that was really encouraging. A few other kind of offensive notes I wanted to talk about. Uh, it seemed like we were committing a lot to the run, which, I mean, that's a strength of what we did. Uh, but we didn't completely abandon all the passing game. Uh, but we definitely said we're going to run the ball. And so we put the the weight of the running game pretty much on Jarquez Hunter and Brian Batiste's shoulders by themselves. And Jared, I mean, I, I, we were having a kind of a song, side conversation during this game. You're a big Brian Batiste fan, right? I have become one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know for his sake and really for Auburn, I didn't under, he was probably the one transfer that I was like, huh, I was kind of intrigued by that because at the time we had Jarquez, Damari Alston, we were bringing in a top 10 running back from high school. And I was like, I wonder why, number one, why is he coming here? Like if yeah. he's wanting playing time. And I was a little intrigued by us grabbing him. I am no longer intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by how, what can he do for us? Cause I honestly, and I am a huge Jarquez fan. I've probably been on this podcast saying he might've been better than tank. I think Brian Batie by the end of the year will be our, I, I think he may be our starting running back. I think wow. he's that good. I mean, he's really solid. I mean, every time he touched the ball, it felt like it was going to get positive yards or at least get back to the line of scrimmage. If he sit behind the line, and, and I think the other element that Brian Batie has, he can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he does it really well. And I, I don't question whether or not he's going to catch the ball and make a move. He's going to do it. Uh, whereas, you know, Jarquez, even in this game, had one where I think he should have caught it. He caught a ball with the ball. And that would have been a, probably a first down, if not more, when he mm, caught the ball. It would have been it would have been more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one that people keep talking. That's that's one that got away. He he probably would have gotten thirty yards on that play. Yeah, and and I, that's I, that's the part that I'm I'm really excited about between Brian Batie and Jarquez because I think Jarquez is still at least at this point the workhorse. He's got oh. lots of reps, and rightly so. He knows what to do in big game situations. I think Brian Batie's still young. He's going to have some growing pains, but Brian Batie. You know, he had 85 kind of all-purpose yards between rushing, receiving, kick returns. He's making a name for himself very early. And I was just looking because I, I I know he's short and he's not that big. He's only an inch taller than me, and he's 170 pounds. He's five foot seven, 170 pounds. He is not that big relatively. And he is playing in the SEC with the big dogs, literally dogs, and some of the best defenses have come out of Georgia. And I don't think Georgia is that good on defense this year, but still you're still stacking up against some really high talent and he's, he's going toe to toe with them. And uh, that's encouraging. Yeah. He almost took one of the house. I, I think that, so what I was more, I thought he was just going to be a speed guy, right? His vision is great. And he yeah. does this, I can't explain it, but he does like a little stutter step too. And I'll like, you know, he, he'll get a guy to commit inside and then he takes it outside and he's just got great vision. Um, and, and I agree. I, I still love Jarquez. Like I've, I think he can be amazing. I think he is not a hundred percent just from the sense that he missed so much time in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is our workhorse, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like it, they're, they're great. I was just, but he, 
has really, really impressed me. He almost took one of the house on a kick return. Um, super impressed by him. I think, honestly, moving forward, what I would do, because let's be honest, um, Georgia had a dude and we didn't. Georgia had Brock yeah. Bowers. If they don't have Bowers, yeah. they don't win that ball game. Oh, and, absolutely. And give them credit. They were struggling, and they needed points, and they said, forget it. We're not even going to be cute. We are going to Brock. You stop him. <laughs> yeah. And we, and, and we could not. I think that I think that there's a few players that can be dudes for us like that. I think Fairweather can do it. I think Batie could potentially do it. You may could get Jay Fair as well in certain situations. And I think over our bye week, we need to really focus in on getting those guys, and Jarquez as well, he's going to get his touches, but getting those guys as many touches as possible. And don't overthink this. Yeah. Get the ball in your playmaker's hands because – as crazy as it is, and then I'll end with this, as crazy – Georgia has – they got five stars everywhere, right? Yeah. They, they were not going to win that ball game, except they just kept feeding the guy that nobody could keep up with. Mm-hmm. And, like, you got to have that. I mean, think about it. Every, every – when I, I can't even remember all their names, but when we go back, every – Slayton was one of them. Yep, Sammy um, Coates. Sammy Coates. Who was the guy in 2004? He caught that one in the end zone from Campbell. Um, he was another one as well. Yeah. You got a go-to guy that when things Aromashu? are not going Was it Aromashu? Great, that, no. no they, he was a stud. later, I think. He was a stud. I'll think of it later. But when you, when you need a first down, when you're struggling, you go to this guy. Right. And I know Fairweather dropped one on a sideline fade, but then he came back the next play and caught one, a contested. Like, he's your guy. That's He's your, your guy, guy right now. The receiving. That's and, it. And I legitimately thought it was going to be Jay Fair. And Jay Fair did have three catches, but only for 12 yards. And he had a few that hit his hands, and he should have caught them. And and I think Rivaldo Fairweather is our guy right now. And, you know, after seeing what Brock Bowers did, I mean, if I'm Rivaldo Fairweather, I'm thinking, man, I can carve out a good spot in the offense for myself at tight end. If, I mean, I don't think he's anywhere close to Brock Barra's talent, but like he's closer than a lot of tight ends that have come through college football. So, you know, what's an extra few steps of you know, in, improving yourself uh, to get more touches and really making a big impact? Because th- that's what Auburn is missing as a playmaker. And if we get that, if it's Rivaldo Fairweather, if it's Jark West Hunter, maybe even Jay Fair or somebody else, you know, steps up, I'm all for that. I want to see uh, that come to fruition. Um, one other thing, and before we kind of you know leave kind of the uh, offense, you know, Peyton Thorne ran the ball way more and way better than I thought he would have. Um, and that's after seeing obviously all the stuff he's done. He had 92 yards rushing and had the long 61-yard rush. I mean, that's something I, I don't think we've really truly seen since – I don't know, probably like Nick Marshall type. And and I don't think even Peyton Thorne's that elusive like a Nick Marshall, but he made things happen. And I love that. Um, gives you a different, different kind of feel to uh, what our offense could be. And I'm still like not hundred percent sure what our offense is going to be, but besides just, we're going to run the ball 80% of the time and pass a handful of times, but maybe that's what we are this year. It was Courtney Taylor, by the way. Courtney Taylor to ah, me was yeah, our yeah, yeah. he was, and we had a we had Ben Obama and all that, but he was that go to. We need something to make he would make a play. Um, right. 
Uh, real quick, because I don't know where we're going to go with this. I do want to say uh, Peyton Thorne did not cost us that game. Uh, there's a lot of chatter out yeah. there about Peyton Thorne, okay? Everybody's back and forth. Um, Peyton Thorne made the throws in that game that should have won the game. Yeah. Um, he made the – he only missed red, in my opinion, one read option. I think he kept one that he shouldn't have. Yeah, um, he got stuffed every, in the backfield then, yeah. He did. He did. Every other time, he read it right. Um, and I, th- I, I – listen, <laughs> we didn't throw for 100 yards, so I'm going to sound crazy saying this. <laughs> I, I think we figured something out with him. I, I really think that uh, the back shoulder throws, um, the other throws he was putting, I mean, he was putting fades where they needed to be. Right. Um, they just weren't making the play. So I think Thorne's going to be okay. And I was big time on moving on from him. So this is hard for me to say. I, I think I, I think we may be okay with him, man. Like, more than okay with him. The road yeah. – on the road is still a big question. What's he going to do on the road? But at home, I feel super comfortable moving forward because that was the best. De- We're not going to play a defense that good until Alabama. Yep. Um, I feel like we will be able to move the ball at home with Peyton Thorne. Yep. And that's exciting for our home stretch coming up um, after we have a pretty rough uh, you know, couple more games. But, hey, that's the SEC, and that's what we came and we signed up for. And uh, I didn't sign up for it, AJ. I, would, I know. We I'd, didn't. Ra- I'd rather be Conference USA, but <laughs> it's it is where we are. Okay, so we got to deal with it, right? Yeah, exactly. A uh, couple other things, uh, just from the defensive side. Uh, I-, I was looking at kind of three storylines, and so I wanted to talk through these, and they were kind of all focused on what does Georgia do this game. So number one, Brock Bowers, which. For three quarters, we pretty well contained him. He only had 66 receiving yards, which for him is next to nothing, um, especially when they didn't have re- – I guess they had McConkey, um at their wide receiver. But it was his first game back, and he was still obviously pretty rusty. And so besides that, Georgia didn't have a whole bunch of pass threats until the fourth quarter when they just kept going back to Brock Bowers and Brock Bowers and Brock Bowers was it when he started get racking up those yards um, on us. Uh, the second kind of storyline I was looking at was Carson Beck, and this is what we talked about, was this is this was his first SEC road, well, just first road game in general, but it was an SEC opponent. And uh, I think we put him on his heels a lot more. Uh, I mean, you know, props to Carson Beck, but, you know, he, kept, he came back from a lot. And being down by 10 points – away is tough and they kind of battled back uh and i think that's partially because of carson beck but then also you know <laughs> brock bowers uh, another kind of storyline was just mcconkey coming back and uh you know he was last year one of their best receivers besides brock bowers and he had a decent game i mean he's he struggled a little bit but you know that's you know he can build upon that um and then from like an auburn perspective you know, on defense, obviously we wanted to shut down Brock Bowers and we didn't do it as much as I was hoping. Um, obviously in the fourth quarter, it just felt like they just imposed their power and their will upon us. And that sucked because you kind of knew what was coming, <laughs> but here we are. And, uh, we were that close and I don't want to get too down upon that because every team's going to struggle with Brock Bowers. I mean, it doesn't matter. Brock Bowers is a probably, is there he's a day one NFL caliber guy. He's going to go high in the draft. 
uh, when he goes, he'll do a lot uh, to just about any team. So I don't want to harp on that too much, but it was kind of frustrating that we couldn't adjust and just say we're committing to stopping Brock Bowers. Because if we did, I think you got some – you're in that game still even more. Here, Here's my here's my complaint, uh, and, I, and I'm going to throw in a, a – offensive complaint on this as well and then I'll 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 be done. Um we don't have the guys to just go man to man, okay? We needed to take back control in that fourth quarter and I would have blitzed more. Yes, mm-hmm. when you blitz more, you have a risk, right? But at least you gave it a try. You 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 just don't have the guys to go 60 minutes with them and you just have to assume if we let them control the tempo of this play they're going to win more than they don't. Yep. Um, I, I would have loved to just brought the house and put back, make him make a play. Now, to Beck's credit, I think the most important play of that game was when we did bring the house in maybe the second quarter, he got leveled, but he got mm. the throw off yep. and they caught it. And that led to their touchdown drive. If they, if he does, that was third down. If that doesn't happen, they kick a field goal there. And I think the whole temp, I just think several things would have changed the momentum. I think that would have been tremendous. So he might have made the plays, but I'm like, listen, in a game like that, man, you're playing with house money. Bring bring the house. If they get it off, they get it off. Right. But if they don't, it could be really good for us. So that's the one thing. The other thing is I think we did that on offense. The one thing we're not seeing a lot of is a lot of um, – what's the word I'm looking for here? It's more straight-up football. We're not seeing a lot of creativity. It's more like, hey, we, we still are kind of acting like we have the guys to just beat you. Mm. I would like to see a little more create creativity. And one specific play, and you know this, AJ, because I got super frustrated when we were chatting. <laughs> when it is third and one, indefinitely fourth and one, and it's less than a yard, the quarterback sneak works 127% of the time. Like, <laughs> Now that you can push players, I have yet to see a quarterback sneak not work when you can now that you can push like they literally just get behind him and push him. Yep. Why are you handing the ball off three yards in the backfield? We don't have the guys to do that yet. Yeah. Um that's my biggest critique there. If it, I AJ, I think you said I would have passed there. I will say this. I would quarterback sneak, but if you're not gonna quarterback sneak, I would not run it. I would throw a pass. I think you mentioned pass in the chat. I would yeah. throw a pass if you're not going to quarterback sneak. They know what's coming. You're three yards in the backfield, handing it off. Yep, and and Georgia's just pinning that. Yes, and, and Georgia's pinning their ears back, saying they're about to run the ball right up the middle because that's what you do on fourth and one, and that's when you do a little swing pass or yes, something like that. You know, get something out where you give them a better shot than just run right up the middle and hope that your offensive line makes a hole for you. So, circling all back to defense, there was two things in that game where I still feel like we think we have the equal players or we're coaching like it. One of them was the fourth and one run. Mm-hmm. One of them was sitting back and not blitzing on their game-winning drive. Right, and yeah. I think we're just going to, especially going into LSU, because those guys can sling it, we are going to have to force them to make decisions yeah. quicker than they want to. And it's your only chance. I know it's not fun. I know it's risky. But that's your only chance. Yeah. No, that that is. I mean, their quarterback is really good at LSU when we go there, and that he's going to make you pay. There's not going to be uh, if you give him you know three seconds in the pocket, he's going to make something happen. You got to be in his face, and so I, th- I think that's a good point of 
we need to continue bringing that throughout the game and not just sit back and play a little prevent D because, you know, I feel like the strength of Ron Roberts is we're we're bringing the blitz and you just don't know when it's going to happen or where it's coming from. So a couple other shout outs, Uh, Marcus Harris, he had a heck of a game. (laughs) He had seven tackles and uh, I think arguably had his probably his best game. Uh, had a couple tackle for losses, caused a lot of havoc. He forced a fumble on a wide receiver, which, you know, he's a, off, he's a defensive lineman, so that's pretty cool. Love that. He just had a huge, huge hit on him. Uh, he He's also tough. I mean, he got injured a little bit at the end of the third quarter, and then he came back, and then he knocks down a pass. And, and he was having such a good game. I think the pro football focus numbers were easily the best for him because of just how much of an impact he made on this. So big props to Marcus Harris. He is a workhorse and uh, very thankful to have him alongside Eugene Asante and even Larry Nixon. I mean, he led our team in tackles with eight this game. So lots of good action on defense um, against one of the, you know, Georgia can be, uh, can score a good bit. So uh, that was good to see. Uh, let's briefly talk about special teams just uh, for a minute uh, before you finish things up. Uh, special teams. Uh, <laughs> we had one time, and this was kind of early in the game, where we had too many guys on the field for a punt return. And I was just – and we had to call a timeout. And we had to burn an early timeout. And I was just thinking, what the heck? Like, I was on special teams in high school. You practice who comes on and off the field for a punt, for a kickoff, everything. And how did we mess that up? I mean, thankfully that was our only you know, big issue that I saw. Um, but that was it. That was you know, something that you could have avoided pretty quickly. So um, one other thing, uh, our kickoffs. We had Brian Batty take back a 39-yarder uh, to the 39-yard line return. And, uh, again, almost broke that, so pretty cool for him. We had Sean Jackson uh, take one back to the 25, which – I thought he was really just in there to block, but obviously he can re- return the ball as well. You know, maybe not as good as Brian Petit, but he he can take it back if he needs to. It's pretty cool to see. Um, and then we also had Oscar Chapman, the MVP. Uh, if there wasn't one on offense or defense, it's got to be Oscar Chapman. Because- AJ, how did you, how did you you talk special teams for five minutes before you got to Oscar, and that's your man. And that dude hit a 70-yard punt and a 60-yard yep. punt. You have disrespected him. All right, I'm all sorry, right. now, Oscar. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to give you two minutes. Have the floor. Here, talk about Oscar. <laughs> well, Oscar obviously had a huge one um, because Georgia was bringing the house on that long 41-yard punt. When a punter sees that, he's already thinking, I just got to get this out. Got to kick it even if it goes 20 yards it's out it's better than nothing right no he just saw that he kicked the crap out of that ball and our guys ran down stopped at the what one or two yard line so big i mean love that unfortunately (laughs) i think that was the long like 98 yard drive that georgia had right after that but that's not an oscar he did his job he put him at one of the farthest way places away from where they have to score and uh, yeah, he did great. Lots of uh, lots of t- lots of great kicks. I mean, I don't think he can do much better than that. So he has uh, he has got he has really. Uh, I know you raved about him last year, and I was always going, "Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's become a weapon this year, man." Yeah, 
when he, I feel like you have to with when the offense sputters out, we at least have Oscar Chapman, who's a steady guy. I mean, we even saw it against Texas A&M. You know, a high punt or high snap over his head. Even Oscar doesn't panic and gets the punt away. I mean, not many punters do that. Um, they just usually panic and they can barely even hold on to the ball and, and, and not even kick it. So uh, I love that guy. Um, another guy that I love, Alex McPherson. Uh, he was two for two on field goals. He made a 27-yarder and a 43-yarder, so I love that. Um, also made a couple extra points after we got touchdowns. So good showing for him. And uh, I, love, I love watching our special teams. It feels like we've got a competent uh, special teams knock on some wood because you never know what happens but so far we seem like we, we know what we're doing um, on special teams and that can be sometimes a difference maker so Jared before we get out of here how can the people stay in touch with you you can find me on Facebook under my name Jared Davis and uh, you can find me on Twitter at A-J-A-Y J-A-Y underscore it's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle War Eagle Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.